0: You know, you got to think things out. You think, Harley. I survive. Where the hell you been, anyway? Take some bikes. Little shithole outside of Dallas. For two years? I've been thinking. For two years? I've been thinking about life. That's the trouble with you, Harley. You think too damn much. Howdy there, listening people. Howdy. How you doing, buddy?
1: Good, part partner. Partner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, hey. We're so I, exotic. Uh, we're so exotic. I, I, you know, <laughs> hold that thought for a second, because I have a Polish fact about that, so we'll get back to that. Okay. Uh, so, I'm Ryan. And you are? I am uh, the Marlboro Bartek. The Marlboro Bartek. Oh, buddy, pal. Thanks. You know, I should have introduced our podcast, like how this movie uses dialogue, which is like, shit, fuck, dick, butt, damn it, because that was the line of dialogue that was used. But no, 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 no. In all seriousness, we're spin polished, likingly, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be polished. Polish. We talk about movies on this podcast, occasionally TV shows, but at this moment in time it's movies. And we have our show that we are doing for you right now Pictures Pow wow, in which we talk about a movie that has come recommended. A movie that was recommended for this one was by you, the listening people. That's right. You, the listening people, can suggest movies to us. We add them to the list and then we eventually get around to them. We go through a cycle where Bartek recommends a movie, I recommend Recommend one, then you. That's right, you, the listening people, recommend one, and we have a hell of a recommendation from our listeners oh, out Ryan, there. Right, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Fucking recommendation <laughs> from our listening people out there, which is uh, one of our YouTube viewers, commenters, subscribers. Uh, how did we pronounce this? What did you say? I always say Doctor Reshi's, and I think you're like no. I think it's Doctor Resches or something.
1: Well, I mean, I just look at how it's spelled. It's Doctor Resches.
0: Ret- yes, there you go, Doctor. Let me know. Let me know. What PhD do you have? What what medical certificate he's got do you a, hold? He's
1: got a PhD in Satoshi Kon films and <laughs> the film Michael.
0: What about what about if it's not actually Doctor, but it's Dre? Like, the Ooh. famous musician, Dre. Mm. Have we ever thought about that?
1: Well, well, no, because it would have to have an E at the end. What else is W- uh, sorry, W- D-R? Drive.
0: There you go. Drive Rochesse. But we have a film, Harley Davidson and the Marlborough Man, starring Mickey Rourke, Don... Johnson, father of Dakota Johnson, mm-hmm. and many others. Oh, so many others! I can't wait to get all to all the others, but I've been holding you with a Polish fact, Bartek. Do you, you want to hear a Polish fact? I would. I learned it today. In fact, in Poland, T I L. There are people who LARP, which you know what LARPing is. Live def- action role playing as americans there's (laughs) pictures of polish people lopping as americans and it's very very funny what they think americans are and And it's very amusing it's them in cowboy hats (laughs) and and guns shooting up in the air and some of them with like protest signs about trump and all of that and it's just very very tastefully done okay so they're not
1: they're not saving themselves from concentration camps.
0: Oh no 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 no! Not that not that I saw. I think it's more modern America, but they still had cowboy hats and, and boots and stuff. I love uh, yes, that. You got to have the anime stereotypes of <laughs> <in> America. <laughs> hey, is that actually stereotypical? We've we've talked to two Texans, and they do have hats and boots. Well, Alex always says howdy. He does say y'all,
1: and he's from Texas, so
0: and he does sound like Hank Hill. so so it all adds up well what's Alex going to do listen to this and complain go ahead Alex listen to this and complain you are definitely uh, him and many listening people out there on the edge of their seat waiting to hear our burning hot takes on Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man we are going to talk about it spoilers and all so if you have not seen the film we recommend you watch it for yourself to fully experience what we are getting into let's go into history and relationship I think we have the same it's very, very simple. Never heard of this film. Never seen this film. Only know of it because it was recommended to us and it was a name that stood out mainly because of the you know, the, the brand <laughs> names of them. Harley Davidson and Marlborough. And also it's one of those ones where it's like, in our list of films where we have recommended you have them and you go, yep, 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 yep. And then you go, oh, this one's a really long title. Mm. That's why it also stood out as like, oh, it's a really long title. So... That is my relationship in history. Never seen this, never heard of this, but I know these actors from many a things. So I am a little intrigued. I was a little intrigued that I had not been aware of this particular film in their catalogue of work. What about you? What's your kind of uh, dynamic with this?
1: So uh, for most of we t- uh, sorry, we should mention we took last week off because of stuff. So it's mm. been two weeks of hype about like, oh, what is what is this? Mm-hmm. harley Davidson in the Marlboro man film. And I remember early on you mentioned like, oh, it's got Ricky Ricky Mickey Rourke in it.
0: <laughs> um and so for Let me l- let me correct you, Mickey Rooney's and Mickey this Rooney's movie. in it. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey from Rocky's in it. Um and <laughs> Dom Burgess, yeah, yeah. The penguin Burgess <laughs> himself- Meridus. <Burgess> Meridus. <laughs> yes, yes, the penguin himself's in this. Yes,
1: seeing him again. Um, so for a little while, I'm like, okay, well, it's got a big actor in it. But then as time wore on, as the two weeks wore on, I kind of forgot that. And I was just like, man, this film is just a complete mystery. I don't know anything about it. Mm. And then on the way home from work uh, the other day, mm. I was catching the bus with three other people. One of them was a colleague of mine, Joseph, who mm-hmm. previously recommended us The Fifth Element.
0: Oh, thank you, Joseph.
1: Um, and we got into a discussion. He was telling one of my other friends about... Um, Oh, you gotta see the new Top Gun film. It's it's really good. And I was like, Oh, that sounds good. I, I actually haven't seen the first one. He's like, Oh, this guy has a podcast and he hasn't seen Top Gun. <laughs> and I made a little joke, like, Oh, well, you see, I'm too busy watching films like Harley <laughs> Davidson and the Marlboro Man. And Joseph, he's he's in his mid-40s, and his response was like oh, yeah, yeah, that film. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know it? And uh, he, said, he said a couple of things. The first thing he said was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Charlie Sheen's definitely in that film. <laughs> um, which I was waiting. He, he's not in the film as far as I can tell. And he also said... and
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, on, God, on. I really love Charlie Sheen
1: in this. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. I think Mickey Ruxin's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Charlie Sheen's definitely in it. <laughs> I love when someone's so fucking sure of themselves and they're wrong. But I couldn't counter it. But yeah, um, and then later on, in a, in a tone that almost sounded like he was reassuring me, he said, "Oh, don't worry. It's not very mentally challenging film.
0: <laughs> so you know what? I will agree with that statement."
1: So I walked in basically with the same history as you, but then a couple of days ago I found out, well, Charlie Sheen's definitely in it, and it's mm. not very mentally challenging.
0: Well, before we get into what we thought of this, I do want to talk about the actors involved. You said there was one famous one, Mickey Rourke, but to me it's like, it's Don Johnson. Don Johnson is somebody I know, well, somebody I care about, somebody that I think's a, a better actor too. And uh, Well, to me
1: it was actually Cassandra from Wayne's World, but go
0: on. But you didn't know she was in this? Well, I saw her name in the credits. Oh, so, so did I. So did I. Oh, I can't wait to talk about her amazing role. <laughs> um, oh, what about Milo from uh, Heart and Souls? He was in this. Uh, time Tom Sizemore. He was the bad guy.
1: Ah, oh, yeah. Did he? Didn't he have longer hair in Heart and Souls? Maybe I. Didn't no, remember. no. He had
0: like fifties hair. Fifties hair. I didn't. But it's a few him. years later. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. He's young and thinner here. That's also another reason. But uh, Mickey Rourke is a legendary actor. His story is really complicated, is an easy way to describe it, where he was this heartthrob actor, hot on the scene, hit after hit after hit, well-regarded, well-respected, you know, like I said, heartthrob, handsome guy, and then hit that rough patch. You know, film after film of a flop after a flop after a flop. Even in the trivia of this movie, it brings up his disdain for this project and how he felt like this was him selling out. And this was one of the final nails in the coffin of his acting career. Eventually, he left acting, went on to do boxing, and lots of stuff happened in the interim. And eventually, The Wrestler resurrected his career in some major way, where, obviously, The Wrestler is this amazing film where it takes a lot of, you know, inspiration from his life, but also it's still its own narrative. It's his magic mic. It was, in a way, you know, in a way, sure. And, uh, you know, Mickey Rourke came back, you know, he had Sin City, I'll give him that, like, Sin you know, Sin City was, like, a really big deal for him, too, because, you know, he has this specific look, this specific type of face, and with the boxing career, that didn't really help, it made him look quite strange-looking, and then there was all this stuff about plastic surgery and all that, but when he was in uh, Sin City, he plays a character with a fucked-up face, and the whole thing is, like, he used to be a pretty boy, but now he's got a fucked-up face. And, um, so he's a very fascinating guy. Obviously, Iron Man 2, he was a, a rather interesting villain that disappears from the film. I I have no idea. Have you ever seen Iron Man 2? I technically had. It was, like,
1: on at a party, so it was, like, the tension was back and forth to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he has electric whips, and he just disappears from the film. Like, he just stops being in it. And then mm. then it's like, oh, then he comes back, and it's, like, really weird. But, uh... He's a controversial figure, even to this day, he's been making a lot of uh wild talk. You mentioned Top Gun recently. Mickey Rock uh got in a lot of trouble for uh uh smack talking Tom Cruise uh only a couple of weeks ago he was on a show and he said, "Oh, well, Tom Cruise is irrelevant."
1: Oh okay, and
0: people were like Mickey, Mickey, really? pretty rich huh and uh so there's him uh, are you got any other familiarities with the uh, mickey rourke anything standing out to you in his career do you want to mention um the, the, the rap the rap
1: <laughs> um our friend will and i saw the film rumblefish in mm. university i don't remember too much about it but it was like a black and white film uh mm. he was in that he was like an older brother figure um what i mainly know him from is uh I, I watch a lot of Let's Plays, and I've seen one for a game called uh, Rogue Warrior, <clears throat> which is a, a rather poor game. D- oh, yeah. Didn't do well, doesn't really play all that well, and it is based on the military career of a guy. I think his name's, like, Dick Marcinko or something like uh. that. Um, Vietnam veteran, I think, or, or or something about Korea. I can't remember. Um, But he's he's, like, written books about his experience, and this was... In this game, he was the main character, and Mickey Rourke voiced him, and a lot of his dialogue is, you know, very, like... Mumbly? Edgy, mumbly, gruff, military-speaker, like, oh, fuck you, you fucking fuck, fuck, fuck. Mm. And for whatever reason, whoever made the game, uh, who was doing the credits, decided to edit (laughs) a lot of his dialogue (laughs) into this sort of, like, how did you describe it, like, sort of low-key... Oh, it's like Low lo-fi temp- rap. Lo-fi, low-tempo rap kind of thing. <laughs> it's,
0: it's actually, you mentioned it last week as like a little, uh, last episode as a jokey thing, and I was expecting like a hardcore gangster rap thing, <laughs> but it's like, it it's actually quite, as the kids would say, it, it's vibing it's a vibing yeah. song like it's actually pretty low key and like it's one way you kind of cruise out to it it's actually not bad yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. just really funny because it's like you can tell they've <laughs> sliced up all of these audio things he's recorded and they're making this song out of it so his delivery's all weird yeah it <laughs> will be like this lo-fi kind of like you're grooving out to it and then he'll be like you fucking dog and it's like what whoa <laughs> he's so aggressive it's so it's a total shift for sure <laughs> Within itself, and I imagine before the game, because you just played this hardcore war game, right? Like, it's supposed to be edgy and and brutal, I would imagine. Mm. And then it ends with this goofy song, uh, which, by, with Mickey Rourke. (laughs) (laughs) So strange, so strange. But anything else for you in the, in the Rourkedom?
1: Nothing that leaps (laughs) to my head. No, I'd have to probably scan through his filmography.
0: Uh, And Don Johnson... It was infamously, he, he has a pretty interesting career where he was uh, the one of the lead actors, the handsome guy from Miami Vice. You may know Miami Vice for its iconic fashion look, which uh, Don Johnson sported, which was he would wear that kind of like, you know, the 80s suit thing, but he wore the suit sleeves rolled up. Mm. That's a look. You know that look? I'm pretty sure I do, yeah. Don Johnson. Mm. That's his look. That's, you know, pretty much nail it down to him. Obviously, there's other people, but, you know, he's the father of Dakota Johnson, who is in the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, and who's actually gone on to be an amazing actress in her own right. But uh, he struggled to find a film career because he was a TV actor, and not every TV actor could transcend into films. Yeah. And so he does stuff like this, where this is him struggling to get into movies. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but fortunately for him... Him becoming older and becoming more of a character actor and a guy who does bit parts and in, in, in movies has actually helped him have an upswing in the later half of his career. He was in Django Unchained, you may remember him. He was Big Daddy, he was uh the plan, uh, plantation owner that they first had to deal with, and uh you know uh, he was really good in that movie. Yeah, he was, sounds he familiar. Was Big
1: Daddy. Can you believe that film's like nine years old now?
0: Uh, he was recently in Knives Out. He was fantastic in Knives Out. He was Jamie Lee Curtis's sleazy husband in that movie. And mm-hmm. he's just been in the back half of his career. He, You know, that, that whole he's a TV guy has faded. And now he's just acting in things. And he's really good. He's is, a very skilled actor. This
1: is really interesting. So it's like we have... Mickey Rourke, who was kind of like an early bloomer, and Don Johnson was like a kind of late bloomer. Yeah, and this is and this film comes out in like the middle point where there's no
0: where they're both struggling to find yeah. their mark to make in the world around them. Yeah, it's it, it's it's fascinating, and that's why I wanted to bring this up first, because. This film, and I can't speak for you, but bored me to tears. I was extremely bored. I was thinking, man, I was too harsh on Tango and Cash throughout (laughs) my entire time watching this. I was frustrated with this. I didn't know why I was following these two losers, and not losers in the way that the film wants me to, like... No, no, losers and like, God, these guys suck. I hate both of them. Not even hate, I just... Don't feel for both of them. When there's a moment, and it was it was when the movie lost me, when the movie lost me for for, for sure, and it never recovered, when they killed all of their friends who had emotions and wants, needs, desires, and dreams, I was like, oh, well, now I'm following these two guys who don't really have any strong <laughs> desire for anything, and I, I don't really know why I'm following them. Like As soon as they killed Gus Fring... And and the big guy and, you know, the old man and, and so on and the so forth. The bar like.
1: crew, yeah.
0: I was like, oh, well, okay. Like, I knew they would die, but I didn't think the movie would wipe them all out in one go and make me go, oh, fuck. It really highlighted that the two that remain have nothing they're driving towards. Nothing overt. Nothing in a narrative sense that I was really invested in. So... There was lots of things about the production itself, just looking at it, thinking about these actors and who they are and what they would become or who they were and all of that that was far more interesting to me than the film itself. What about you? What did you think of Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man?
1: Um, I should probably preface before I say this thing that I watched it in the morning just after waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, not a morning person, so I actually did fall asleep partway through. Oh, baby. Um, I did pa- I did. No. Where did you fall asleep? I did pause it. It was, I remember on the timeline, it was slightly after the halfway point. So I think, I think they were getting on the plane to Vegas. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Whatever happened to her? Like the lady they kidnapped? What happened to her? Did she disappear (laughs) in editing? Ah, yes. So so
1: (laughs) that was, again, that was around the point where I fell asleep. So a little bit of the details from the beginning of that scene were lost on me, but like,
0: I think she disappeared when in I, editing. When
1: I resumed, like, oh, yeah, they, okay, they've got a lady and they're like holding her mouth closed while they're in the plane. And they take the dead body. And then, uh, but then, like, the next cut and the next scene, they're already just in the middle of Vegas. So they've mm-hmm. already gotten off the plane mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. all their stuff. And mm-hmm. whatever happened to her is. Whatever happened. Whatever happened, yeah. What, maybe. Lost th- in editing. Maybe there are deleted scenes where, you know inevitable Stockholm syndrome happened. <laughs> it was like, okay, well, we're on a flight to Vegas. You don't want to kill me, so I don't really have a reason to scream. So, so, I guess it so, <laughs> so
0: you're saying that this movie was so good that you had to portion, out, portion it out in two parts? I guess so. So you loved it.
1: <laughs> I, I, I was inspired by all those articles about how to watch the... This joke doesn't work if I forget the title of the Scorsese film. Uh, the Irishman.
0: The Irishman, yes, <laughs> yes. Or, or hate hates uh, as well. Uh, so you didn't like it?
1: I wasn't too keen on it, but I didn't especially hate it either. But, it, I mean, it definitely didn't catch my attention to keep me awake.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I can't say I hated it. It was just I was bored. Uh, thoroughly bored. I, I, I kept seeing all of these things, and I kept thinking... This action movie did this better. This movie did this better. This needs to... Like, I was constantly thinking, what's the point of the script? I feel like, like... Like, when they wrote the script, when they wrote it, outside of making money, what were they hoping to create? Because there was no real, like, satisfying three-act structure. Like, the villain is a... F- <laughs> I didn't even know how to, if I could call them a villain because they aren't interested in having them be anything. Like, at bare minimum... In these movies, whether it's Die Hard, which this is evoking, whether it's Robocop, which this is evoking, the villains are fun and memorable, and they have, like, quippy dialogue or, like, some ideology or something to them. Even Predator has a fun villain where it's, like, this alien monster. And here it's, like, uh, the film just constantly was looking at me saying, Ryan, I'm not interested in that. And then I'm asking it, what are you interested in? And it's saying, "Mm mm-mm. And it, and
1: it, like, you know, hides now its- wasn't me
0: a bull. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: hiding its copy of Tango and Cash thinking, how do I make it so that the villain never meets the heroes? Correct. Correct. But it failed because the villain meets the heroes at the end. Uh,
0: okay, so the film is a science fiction film. It's set in the future with a futuristic drug that doesn't exist in the real world. Yep. That, uh, n- here's another thing. I was talking to my wife, Rachel, and I was breaking these bits of the movie down. And as I was talking, it made me realize, oh, the film didn't follow through on this. It's one of those experiences. Have you ever, you've had this, right? Where you watch a thing or you experience a piece of media and you're in it. But then you give it a second thought and you go, wait. What about that thing? What about what happened to the lady? She got lost in editing. What happened in the here? What happened? But you never really notice it when you're in it. So, for instance, the drug. They talk about Crystal Dream. That's how the film opens. But they talk about Crystal Dream, the drug, and the cop lady says it gives you yeah insanity, then death. And yet, at no point in the film do we see anyone take it or anyone who's on it. Isn't that weird?
1: Mm, yeah, it is. It's almost like, oh, well, you'll see it in the sequel.
0: <laughs> Why do they make a fictitious drug that they have to explain to the audience what it is if they're not going to use the fictitious drug in to, any sense? To, Why aren't they just using it? Why is it just cocaine?
1: To justify that uh, to to give the film something to be in the bag that isn't money.
0: But why isn't it cocaine? You don't have to spend five minutes explaining what cocaine is because, to an audience. Ryan,
1: this is set in the future. Why this is it, it even, set in the it's future? It's an even
0: better drug. <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at. Yes, I do. It definitely is one of those films where you don't... Guys, don't think about it in, after you've finished it or during it. I had
1: a weird thought when I was watching the film, and I guess everything you've just said kind of reinforces it. I almost wasn't going to mention it, but I kept thinking of The Simpsons in terms of like... <laughs> The, like, the episode structure, you know how it goes, of like, the first third is like, you know, there might be something established that sets off events, but then the later two-thirds might be about a completely different plot. Like, yeah. I was rewatching uh, that Red Letter Media video from one or two years ago where they were talking about the Osaka flu episode. Uh, the first yeah. third of the episode is about this virus that sets off events, but then the rest of the episode is about an important woman being in prison and ruining mm the lives of everyone else. And that almost felt like what this film was kind of doing with its structure where the first third felt like we were being introduced to these main characters and just mm-hmm. like who they are. Then the second third, it felt like they were introducing this plot, like save the rec center type of plot, <laughs> but for a bar,
0: Oh man, man, man. <laughs> If only Anthony LaPaglia was here to help them save Empire Records, huh? Like, I actually thought, I actually thought, like, oh, okay, that, this
1: is what the film is. We've introduced these two main characters. Yeah. They've met their secondary characters, you know, they're working they in, in many ways. And now they have a, a united goal that they need to solve. But then the robbery is literally the next scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's and, no
1: planning. Yeah, and then that sets off the actual plot which is we're running away from these guys. And I say second third, but like I said, it's literally two or three scenes. <sighs> so it's like first 45%, middle 10%, last 45%, where the last 45% is the running away from the you know, matrix
0: looking guys. This is an editors nightmare because I actually got taken out a lot from editing mistakes. Throughout it, that I just it just caught me like blatant continuity mistakes, and you know me, I rarely comp I like rarely complain about those things because it's movies, you know what movies yeah. are. But there were so many moments where it did it where I was thinking, is this an editing mistake or this is though this is an editing? For instance, Daniel Baldwin plays the main thug, and when he's getting shot at the end. They have one shot where his entire face is bloody, like it's covered in blood. Next cut, it's not covered in blood because they haven't shot him in the head yet. Then cut, they shoot him in the head, it starts bleeding. Next cut, full face of blood, and it's like, oh, they got it out of order. I I can't believe that. Like, this is the most important moment where they're finally taking down the big bad guy that they've been going against this whole movie, and they finally fuck up his head, they fuck up his death in editing, it's just, it was just mind boggling, although the most bewildering and I actually stopped the film, made sure that the place I was watching it on was correct and I checked another site and it was correct, which is uh, uh um, Don Johnson, who is Marlboro Man was it him? No, no, no it must have been Motorbike Boy one of them's riding the motorbike flips off a police officer gets chased down by Oh, that them. was Marlboro Man. That was Marlboro Man?
1: Yeah, and then he goes into bed with her. Yeah, later, yeah, yeah. So. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like patting him down and arresting him and then it like zooms in on her jacket and then it cuts to them in bed it's like what the fuck did i just did i just miss the whole scene (laughs) and it's like they know each other it's like wait wait, is this the cop lady she's no longer in her outfit and then the next scene she's in her cop outfit again i'm like okay we've never met her before Mm. have we (laughs) no we haven't Editor's nightmare. Again, that Editing was, Nightmare. Again, that movie. was that
1: that was the first actor establishing the Marlboro man's past. Because it's important. Is that
0: way is that a good way of establishing it?
1: Well yes, because then later on there's a payoff where he sees her one last time. Did that
0: then... throw you off? Did you get thrown off by that? That was a, such a weird moment where it's like he flips off this cop rides off, gets pulled over. She starts patting him down, like grabs his ass and then hard cut to them in bed. And he's like, you haven't even seen her face because she's got the helmet on. Yeah. So it's like, am I supposed to know this is the cop? Or have I just skipped a chapter somehow?
1: I don't know. (laughs) It's weird. Um, We we thought you were saying about like when they were defeating the black coated guys at the end. I I didn't necessarily notice the editing mistakes but the visual language of it like didn't feel right because Mm -hmm. we established these guys as like oh you know it's really hard to take them down you know they're basically like terminators they walk slowly they get shot um and we get established at this point like okay well they're wearing armor so we have to shoot them in the head or at least you know where they have skin or something
0: they have feet
1: yeah and but every (laughs) but every single time they got shot I didn't really get a sense of where they were
0: shot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's maybe only... a gun will fly out their hand, and that's how you go. Oh, they got shot in the hand.
1: Yeah, it's it's like obviously there are only few places where they could get shot, but it it just felt like oh that could have just they could have missed that shot and they're just reacting out of nowhere. So it was like it didn't feel right that they were you know being defeated.
0: You know what it you know what it made me appreciate even more, Desperado. Desperado has the big shootout stuff, and you have sequences where where Antonio Banderas gets shot in the hand, and, like, the way it's edited, the way, like, because what you're saying, too, is, like, in visual language, you know, it's easy to demonstrate from a far wide shot a person getting shot in the chest, Mm. or in the belly, or the head, but hands... You know, hands, like little targets Very of the body. Very specific spots, yeah. It's harder to tell unless you know how to make squibs work or close-ups or insert shots and they didn't do that properly here mm. and the acting physically wasn't good enough to demonstrate it as clearly for you and it made me think about Desperado where Desperado did that so efficiently think about it at the end of Desperado his band of mariachis that he gets together and each one of them gets taken down and you get visually shown how they get taken down so magnificently or them getting incapacitated getting shot in the knee or the hand because the visual language is so cr- Crystal clear of what you are seeing. Yeah, it's 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 visceral. This isn't.
1: Yeah, and not necessarily that this is a good example. But thinking back to one of the first shots that I saw, like gunshots that I saw after waking up again, was when they were you know inside that plane and there was that mm-hmm. worker there. It was like, hey, what are you doing? You're not mm-hmm. meant to be here. The guy just aimed his assault rifle there, shot him a few times. He died. I didn't necessarily care. Like, oh, where he was shot? It just made sense that, like, yeah, mm-hmm. he was hit there because. There's no issues at play, and it just felt so normal. But then here, even though it should be the same thing, the fact that we've established that these guys are so strong, it was like, oh, I feel like there needs mm. to be a bit more focus on how they were actually defeated.
0: There was just so many bizarre moments yeah. where one... it was like that, where you go, why did they make this choice? There's one
1: that really threw me off, which I guess in retrospect I can expect uh, accept, but... At the time, I didn't know what was going on. It was when they go to the bar and we're just about mm. to like meet all the characters. You know how Marlboro Man knocks on that door and he's like talking to that guy mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, getting along really well. And then they bring Harley Davidson over. Mm. All of a sudden, that guy like just does sign language. Yeah, yes. And I obviously I was looking at him, and mm. Marlboro Man was like translating. I'm like, is this? Poorly dubbed? What's going on here? <laughs> no. I had to turn back and realise, oh, he no, he's just doing sign language and Marlboro Man's translating on, uh-huh. off the side. It's because like...
0: Because didn't you see a scar on his neck that indicated that he got stabbed in the throat at some point?
1: But they were ch- talking normally just before.
0: Well... <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. The character was introduced only, speaking but, out loud. But, but Bartok, he he's only spoken sign language ever ever since. Like, he never spoke again. He always spoke in I sign swear language. He, I swear he did. I <laughs> I swear to you, every other scene he was speaking sign. There was so many times he was speaking sign language. I know he was, but I
1: swear he still had, like, dialogue.
0: You know what? Yeah, I'll take your word. The guy who fell asleep, I'll take your word over mine who was just numbingly dying on the inside. No, 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 no. no okay, no, no, no. but
1: he was introduced the- speaking out loud, though, right?
0: I think. Honestly, here's the thing. I didn't know he was going to be a character I would care about. Me neither, but- Gus Fring. You know when I say Gus Fring, you know who yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, You knew he was going to be a character you cared about via the first shot you see of him because he has such an extravagant look about him and his presence as an actor. Well, this guy you're talking about- We didn't, I didn't know that I was going to care about him. So maybe he did speak and I don't remember it because I didn't know. I didn't note down. But what I remember after the end of the movie is he had a slit on his neck and he spoke in sign language a bunch. And I was like, oh, he can't speak because he obviously got cut in the neck or something or other. But then evidently you remember him speaking. I'm like, okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't know. Now I'm
1: doubting myself.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. There's so many strange choices. Like, okay, 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 okay let's let's reel it in the film tastefully opens up with a uh, uh, good friend uh, uh Harley Davidson in a hotel room i guess or some girl's house or somewhere and he's listening to the radio and it's about drug the new crazy drug that we never really need to know anything about but they tell us anyway and there's just a naked lady there like like full on like here's a tits boys like, look at this, and she's like looking forlorn, and like every, and it's like really like gratuitous. Yeah, it's telling sexual us sexual
1: energy. It's Telling us that Harley Davidson stole her clothes, and mm. she can't leave the house now because she's naked.
0: Sure, yeah, don't don't joke, don't joke. People <laughs> right. may take that as face value because no one's watching this. No, no, no. He
1: he's being cool, and it's indicating that he, he just was with a girl.
0: Uh, And I wrote in our Facebook chat, I was like, oh, are we doing this? And then I was like, oh, well, I'm watching the movie and I've never seen a film show how insecure in its masculinity it is so quickly. (laughs) How do you feel about that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you understand the sentiment I'm putting there? Because to me, it's like the first half hour of this movie is them being like, Look at these fucking dudes. Aren't they men? And don't you want to be like these men? And they're sexy. And look at the ladies. They're just sexy objects that the men get. And aren't they cool? And... He doesn't even light up his cigarette because he's so fucking cool. (laughs) And he has all these rules. Listen to him spout off all of these fucking rules and mantras. And if you don't pay, you got to go. And he beats a guy with a a pool ball. And like, oh, oh, this guy's a big guy. But guess what? Our guy can beat that. And I just was like, God, like, he has tits. Look at all these tits. And look, there's Vanessa Williams somehow for some reason in the movie. And she's singing a song about how she wants to fuck a man and I was just like, God guys, we get it. You really want to be a macho man action movie, but it felt so insecure to me. It felt it came across as they were overcompensating so much <laughs> that it turned around to me being like, this is a bunch of beta males who made this movie. Uh, <laughs> thoughts?
1: Uh no, I think I can learn from it because I have a small dick, so it might
0: help. <laughs> 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 it was. It was funny. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It yeah. felt like a South Park joke or something yeah. like like something trained would do in I, like <laughs> some like basketball where they just keep escalating it to this ludicrous it was, degree.
1: It was that episode with the the funnily enough Harley Davidson bikers where you know, the one where it's like oh they, you guys are fags and they was mm-hmm. like oh you can't say that that's a slur. It's like no we're not homophobic we homophobic we just hate these guys and we're calling them fags because it's got a real mm-hmm. kick to it.
0: Yeah. It was just. It felt like a comedy with how much it was being like. Look how fucking sexy he is. He's got a scar on his face, and that one. I do remember, like, so red the, like the like the lighting blah, blah, blah. in that first
1: scene. Is like, oh, the side profile of him smoking, and it's a bit like dusty or, or mm. smoky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, this guy's cool. Were they cool to you? Were they cool to me? I mean. Only in the sense that, like, you know, there is a certain inherent coolness to, like, the the biker aesthetic or the cowboy aesthetic. And that's what these two guys were doing. But maybe maybe Marlboro Man, to some extent, was Mm -hmm. a bit more cool because he he was kind of trying to play into it. But then you do have, like, the whole uh, dynamic between the two where, like, people are, especially Harley Davidson is questioning, like, what's up with all this stuff? What's up with the shoes? Things like that. It's like, oh, this is just my style, kind
0: of thing. I understand what you're saying. Aesthetics of, of 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 bikers and of cowboys are cool. It's weird to me that their looks, specifically, were really uncool. Especially Harvey uh, Harley well, Davidson. Yeah. He, you know, you have a certain image in your brain of what a biker looks like. Mm you know and i you know there's many examples you know rebel without a cause but even let's go to 1990s for a moment terminator 2 bam schwarzenegger goes into that biker bar takes a bunch of outfits and you know, I know you're a big fan of Terminator One. Oh, Terminator Two, fantastic. But, but yeah, would but... you agree or disagree that his like outfit in Terminator Two is like the solid, like the solidified example of what cool Schwarzenegger looks like? Oh yeah, yeah. And what is he? He's a biker. Yeah. Well, he takes clothes from a biker. Yeah. Bam. Harley Davidson in this, though, he, he fucking is covered in all, in all the patches, which I know is a part of, uh, of bikey culture as well, but just, he doesn't look cool. He just doesn't look He's, cool. He doesn't
1: really have, like, a biker attitude, really. No, not really. He just, for most of this film, I just imagine him, like, just kind of smirking a bit too much. Like, yeah, a, a biker can be sarcastic, I suppose, but, like... Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know, just the the smirk, something but the smirk was not doing he it. Was,
0: he was disingenuous as a biker, because there's many ways, in films, we're not talking about real life, but in films, you can communicate that biker attitude. Like in, you know, God forbid, Wild Hogs, where <laughs> they were inauthentic in their attitudes of being bikers, and they were called out for it. Yeah, That's what I was waiting for with this guy, because he never felt like a real biker, like he never felt like... The guys from Easy Rider, where they are riding the roads to find themselves and to find what it is to be an American and to spirit a uh, form of spiritual journey, or you know, uh, you know, uh, other ways of being a bike like Real Rebel Without a Course, where you're a bad boy and you're using your bike to compensate. And no, it's just like it is because we came up with the title of the movie Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Yeah,
1: I don't know, he just. He felt more like a sort of smart-alecky loner archetype mm-hmm. who was taking on a, a biker aesthetic.
0: Yeah, yeah, which, again, smart-alecky type you can have for a biker for sure, but he, just, he did not feel real, and especially next to Don Johnson, where Don Johnson, as, as Marlboro Man, he did feel like a cowboy guy, and not like a yee-haw, good old boy cowboy guy like our, our friend in that Marilyn Monroe movie we did. <laughs> but he felt like a like what you would imagine a real life modern day cowboy to be who interacts with uh you know uh civilization like in the city cuz he's in the city he's not in rural america wrangling up and lassoing horses and stuff he's just like in the suburbs yeah. he's got his boots he's got his form of transportation he's got his little uh scarf stuff and like but he like he doesn't look cool, but he looks real. Yeah. That's how I would describe him. That's the thing. They need to lean further into them just looking like real-life versions of these guys or leaning into the idealized version of what these people look like. But to me, they just kind of fell in the middle with Marlboro men being closer to like what I imagine a real-life cowboy to yeah. be. To be honest,
1: I think... Maybe before this discussion, this whole episode even began, I wasn't even thinking of Harley Davidson as a biker character. Mm-hmm. It was just a guy who had the same name as his bike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he named himself after his bike.
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: I don't think that's his real name. Mm. I, I, I doubt it's his real name, but probably not. I mean his ma- name's Mickey Rock.
1: Apparently in the last scene, Marlboro man's real name gets said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did the case, on the yeah. overhead
0: speakers, which is cool. <sighs> ah, so that was cool. Oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> uh
1: uh let's talk about the gang. The gang, yes, the friends. The well they start out kinda of not friends, but they were well, friends. Harley and...
0: fucked it up yeah. in the past. <laughs> I thought you would like these guys. I saw them and I went, Oh, these are Bartek characters. There's one of them looks like fucking Prince, which is Gosfring. Fring, he looked like Prince. You had uh the big guy who I was like, Oh, this is Bartek's favorite character. He the, would be the probably, big yeah. guy.
1: He should he could
0: have played a biker. He looked like one. Yeah. Yeah, Um. tell me, what did you think of these these this merry band well, that they had well, for two scenes?
1: Well, yeah, well, like I said before, this was kind of like this middle 10-minute second act kind of thing where I thought, okay, well, this is where the plot of the film is really going to begin. They're going to, quote-unquote, save the rec center by doing a sort of heist. Um, We're going to learn a bit more about them. They're going to have full-on arcs or something like that. Um, and we're going to have a bit more dynamics being mm. thrown around. Um, and so there was a lot of promise there. And, you know, we had the the kind of older one among the group, the guy who actually owns the bar. Yeah, old man. Yeah, old man who kind of felt like, you know, a bit more of a father figure in this type of band. So He's it, the
0: one who I felt like we got to know the least. He is
1: the one we got to know the least, I'm pretty sure.
0: Because
1: mm. we only really got him for... <laughs> it's just a recurring thing of, like, two scenes. I
0: know. It's
1: all two scenes. Um... Yeah, there was there was promise there, there was potential there, but then it just says no. Did you not see the title? It's not Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man, and the Gang.
0: Even Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which this is clearly evoking, mm. had great secondary characters that you gave a shit about. Yeah, the film, and they and they were in the movie as well. Like they were in the film. They
1: roughly had about half the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right, and you felt stuff when they were no longer in the movie. Yeah, there was there was news. The guy who gets the news, right? Yeah,
1: and there was the guy that like Butch fought at the beginning because of a dispute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got to learn about Butch and like the dynamics with the gang.
0: Uh, here's another aspect I want to get your thoughts on with this with the gang. There's this there's this vibe, and I think it's because it's trying to do the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid thing. That I and it's like this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Which is there's an air of this. It, it's not a strong thing. Like to me, it's like a wisp of a thing, which is in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, or in the Red Dead Redemption games, or uh, a few other examples I could go down. There's this element of our characters are in a from a bygone era. Mm-hmm. They're in a gang that's on the decline and civilization. Oh and-
1: yeah, that's big. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs>
0: And I feel like there's an element of that where it's like, this is their last outing and they don't know, like the big guy's got a girlfriend and he can't do this anymore, but, oh, he'll do it one more time and, oh, he gets killed and there's the old man, it's like, we've got to get the bar back together because this is where we used to be but then that gets all taken away from them and it's like, Things are changing. Like the bad guys now no longer are the cops. They're businessmen who wear suits and they have these elite Japanese outfits and like things and, have and they changed. And earn, they
1: earn good money from their like legal work, but then they earn more from doing mm-hmm. the, like illegal stuff on the side. Yeah, you know?
0: and you have like. The, the Marlboro man's girl is now in a full-time relationship with a with a with a most stable person, and he can't be with her. And like Harley Davidson is having the same thing, where he had a love, and it le- and she left him with no real rhyme or reason in his way of thinking of things. And there is this element of like uh, tiny, tiny, minuscule element of that, where it comes across as like we are watching the the end of an era for these characters, where the gang gets killed and society around them is changing but the difference is the major difference is this is set in the future <laughs> no no but it's set in a weird time period where that's not as applicable to the hu- like to us it's like with red dead and with butch and sundance kid we historically understand how these people don't fit in anymore yeah the cowboy the outlaw the gunslinger phases out that's also i think for australians a huge appeal of what ned kelly's all about ned kelly was kind of like our version of that like the last of an era of like the famous gunslinger the bad boy the guy that the cops have to take down and he wars arva like you know mm. what i'm talking about yeah that's why there's so many ned kelly and the gang movies in our in our pantheon because it captures that and here it's like even if it wanted to capture that, it needed to make it so much more specific about something in that time period that we, the audience, can understand. And I know this sounds like maybe a little bit too naft, but in this time period, it would have to be about gang wars. Gang wars. Like, you know, that was what was really big in the 90s. Mm. We saw it in Falling Down, for instance. Gang territory wars, like LA riots and all of this stuff. And I think like that's something like... A great film like King of New York, starring Christopher Walken, that film really nails. This, it's like, I feel silly. Like I feel silly talking about it because it's almost like I shouldn't bother because, again, the film's not really interested in it. But I felt like it was
1: there. Like I'm listening to everything you're saying about like you know end of an era kind of thing. And when I was watching the film, I wasn't getting it at all. But like all the stuff you're saying, it's like. In retrospect I maybe kind of do feel little bits of it so it's it's kind of conflicting it's like was there a deeper thing that this film was going for yeah and did it come across slightly or did it completely fail like i
0: and that's why i come back to what was this trying to go
1: Four earlier on, you mentioned like Tango and Cash, and how like yeah. oh that film did something's better. I feel like that film was a lot easier to criticize,
0: mm-hmm. but I'd
1: also much more likely watch that one again.
0: Well, here's a big difference too. Tango and Cash, you can summarize very easily. Yeah, you know, two cops they don't like each other, get framed for a crime they didn't commit. They have to break out of prison and prove their name. Mm put things right and get revenge on the bad guys and get the evidence. Very simple. Yeah. You get it? It, They fuck it up, but you get it. Mm -hmm. This it's like two guys who know each other slightly, but kind of really intensely go to a bar by happenstance at the same time. They're like loners, but they're buddies. Yeah. They're like loners, but they have a family. And And there's a bar that is slightly important. They're loners, then, but they're buddies and they have and a then, gang at a bar. Then, <laughs> and then Daniel Baldwin from Nothing But Trouble the same year walks around with a gun and shoots at them and then eventually the film ends.
1: And Cassandra was there.
0: And uh many people were there. Many people were there. Hmm. I just don't know what, the, like, the point is. Like, I know it's an action movie, but there are points to action movies, whether it's as carnal and as simple as getting revenge. But here it's like, they're not really interested in getting revenge. It's more like, we can't leave. It's like
1: they're-, they're a, a then they a, leave. Criminal, a criminal is trying to get revenge on them.
0: Yeah. But then also, we don't know enough about the criminals to care. There was a moment where it's like, oh, they actually gave them money. okay and then they come and like kills them because they want the money back and it's like why did you not kill them when you gave them the money in the first place you had them pinned (laughs) makes no sense why even give them money why not give them fake money marked bills well they gave them a fake coin (laughs) (laughs) i was devastated when the gang died what about you I mean, there were these colorful, extravagant characters, and then they're all gone. And I'm like, oh, God. And they just
1: s- s- tossed it in the air. It's like, I don't need that anymore. They're done. We've, uh, we've done the Save the Wreck Centers plot.
0: Yeah. I, well, I think I was really devastated because I was, in a way, enamored with those characters because they, were, they had things that they could lose, things that they could gain, things that they cared about, stakes. Well, I mean, too, it's like they don't.
1: I guess I was just waiting for the film to justify Like, okay, you killed them. Show me why.
0: And again, if you're going to compare this to Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, those two characters had, like, goals, dreams, desires. Even underneath all of their repression and stoicism and, like, you know, uh, 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 like, machismo, they had things. They had, like relationships, and and they had things that I could connect myself to those two guys. It
1: actually kind of did feel like those characters done right, because I mentioned before Harley Davidson, this film's like this kind of smirky guy. Butch Cassidy was, you know, the more jokey one of the two. yeah. And Sundance Kid was the much more cowboy one with the gun slinging. No. His own, like, you know, trying to be a cowboy kind of thing.
0: That's the thing. Another thing, too, another nail in the coffin. Although these are two well-known actors, Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson, it, they're not charismatic enough. Like a huge appeal of Pucckastee and Sundance Kid is just those two actors are the most charming, likable, sexy, A grade actors of that time period. When even yeah. now it's like Robert Redford, you go like Jesus, still so fucking charming. When we were studying oh, dude, that like it's one of the <laughs> like lightning in a bottle casting, and they and those guys did a couple of movies together, and each time you watch them, they're great because it's like those two guys just are so good.
1: When we were studying that in year twelve media, Butchcasting the Sundance Kid, like obviously teacher was saying a bunch of, you know, analytical things about it, but he always said very firmly that this film is like the peak of the buddy film. Yes. Because these two guys' dynamic is just perfect.
0: It's unparalleled. Mm. And it's a thing too of like They, as individual actors, were renowned for their on-screen charisma, their on-screen-like ability. And you put them together, and you go, guys, I don't know if the human race can handle that. (laughs) And evidently, we could, to the point in which they're all acclaimed. But Mickey Rourke? No. Don Johnson? No. I'm
1: not gonna dismiss Paul Newman as just smirking his way through a film. No, 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 no. <laughs> exactly.
0: And even if it was, he does it to a level of craftsmanship that you can't help but love. Here's another great example. Uh, some like it hot. Tony Curtis and and Jack Lemon, two of the greatest actors of that time period, and you put them together in a movie with Marilyn Monroe, and it's like you just let it go. Like Like, it's great that the script and the direction's awesome as well, but it's just like, those actors, you just watch them whirl on and you want to follow them. Here, it's like, you know, Don Johnson's really trying. I'll give him that. And, like, Mickey Rourke was trying at times, but then you could tell at other times he was over it. He was really over it. Mm. He wasn't wanting to be there anymore. And I, I, like... There was moments of amusement in their chemistry work like the famous uh I can't believe you shot me. Yeah. That was good. I enjoyed that. Hurt. That. that hurt. <laughs> yeah, like that was really good. Yeah, that was. I wish there was more moments like that. Mm. It's like you you
1: can compare again to Butch Cassidy like we have the scene with like oh jump off the high thing to get into the water below. Mm-hmm. Like the t- two ways it was done like in Butch Cassidy the Sundance Kid We had, you know, playing on the fact that, like, oh, there's a specific fear of water for Mm -hmm. this, like, really strong guy. Whereas in this film, it was just like...
0: Uh, You're an idiot. It's
1: an idiot. That's stupid. The fall's going to kill. And it was much higher, too. So it almost Mm -hmm. felt a bit more like, you know, the guy proposing the idea really is stupid. But then when they survived the thing, it was Mm -hmm. just like, oh, I guess it wasn't all that high enough to kill them anyway. Did you ever see The
0: Nice Guys? Yes, I saw that in the cinema. I thought of The Nice Guys with the pool scene with Keith David, where Keith David didn't make it into the pool, where they had the the exact same scenario. Mm -hmm. But the bad guy landed right next to where the pool is, and he exploded in blood. And I was thinking about that the whole entire time. I was like, oh, man, that was... And I was just going, well, The Nice Guys is made by a person who understands these movies and knows how to satirically deconstruct them. Mm. And this movie isn't like smart it's just like no no they'll land down there because we need them to yeah they'll get on the plane with minor fuss and in between the cuts that fuss that they did have will disappear because it's inconvenient Mm. uh the most uh i think their most head scratching most head scratching like narrative choice to me completely unearned un like unbelievably dumb was they go to Tom Sizemore's building on the helicopter. Mm-hmm. They walk into his office, wave a gun at him, and then they're like, but I'm not going to shoot you. And it's like, you've shot so many other people in this movie. <laughs> I don't know why you're drawing the line here. Well, like
1: you did say that he doesn't want to shoot an unarmed man.
0: I just... Guess... Like, I don't know, like, I wish they made it more clear at that point. Like, the lines of which this character will not cross.
1: It's big, yeah, I guess it did the thing where he brought up his father again, and this was, like, introducing a new thing, but it's the climax, so...
0: And then it's, like, the helicopter, from then the helicopter flies down and tries to shoot and, like, kills the two thugs, but then, like, kills nobody else and then gives a thumbs up, and then they're okay with just murdering this main character. Like, yeah, I guess... Kicking him out a window is somehow more noble than just shooting him.
1: Well, because he's not shooting an un- unarmed man, so.
0: Yeah, he threw a gun at him and then tackled him. Because That's,
1: it's the manly thing to do. <laughs> it
0: just, it's just—it's so bad. It's so, <laughs> so so unnecessary. I would have—I
1: probably would have liked it if, like, when, when Harley Davidson threw his gun at the guy and he caught it. Yes. it was like there, he's got a gun. Fair enough. Boom.
0: Or even. If that was, like, a teamwork thing where Harley Davidson threw the gun, it threw Tom Sizemore off, and then Marlborough Man kicked him, that would have been like, they're using this. And, and then he's
1: like, so I should never throw a gun, huh?
0: Right? Yeah. That is so much more clever. But at the end, it's kind of like uh, Marlboro Man's boot fell apart, and then the guy fell like Dick Jones and Robocop out the window. And it's like, one, do not evoke Robocop. And do not do the Dick Jones ending, because that's one of the greatest endings in cinematic history of all time. I mean, you've seen Robocop now. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. And it was, it made me, like, that was straight rip Robocop, that looked like, and or Die Hard. Less Die Hard, like, Die Hard was shot differently, but, like.
1: Well, no, we don't want to remind the audience of Bruce Willis, because he didn't want to do the film.
0: And we don't want to remind the audience of a better film. We're here for Harley Davidson and the Marlborough Man. I just, I just couldn't care. Uh, I just every time I was like, "Oh, I'm going to try and care about these two characters," the film just blank stared me and went, "Why would you, Ryan?" I'm like, "You're right. Uh, I can't. I can't invest myself. I'm sorry." Remember when they were
1: on the train and the Marlboro Man wanted to get off and Harley didn't want to get off, so they went their separate ways, and then they came back. Together. Then, like two scenes later, they're back together. And Harley Davidson just like apparently had in the whole adventure in Denver, and he's just like, "Hey, I, yeah, I went to Denver," and they continue the scene. It's like, "Yeah, I got this thing in Denver."
0: Uh, a laugh out loud moment was when they were pinned behind the truck when the 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 dark like the black suited gentleman showed up for the first time, and they're pinned down, they're trying to shoot, and then it's like a, a random cut to an intense close-up of the fat guy on the bike screaming, and then he flips off his bike, and it starts scraping, then he lights up the fuel that's pouring oh, out yeah. of it, and then they just then they just merrily jump over the flame, and I just was like... If there was more of that ludicrous action, that's a thing too, like... This isn't to dismiss good writing, but like in some of these action movies, if you just have really over the top, well choreographed, well executed, absurd action set pieces, I'll be more forgiving. You would be more forgiving. Like Kung Fu Hustle doesn't have the greatest plot in the world, but it has really creative action and Hmm. really fun characters. Yeah, if it's exciting, that's that's the appeal. That's the appeal. So many Schwarzenegger movies are like that, where it's just like there's these absurd over-the-top action things. Same with your Sylvester Stallone's and all of that. And it's just like here we are with Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man.
1: Did you find it – what was Joseph's words? Uh, Mentally challenging? No. No. Okay, he was right.
0: I was trying to figure out why they made choices the way they uh, did – Anything else you want to discuss?
1: Uh, What did you think of Charlie Sheen?
0: Oh, I loved him. He was my favorite. (laughs) Oh, let's talk about other actors that showed up. Sure. So, Vanessa Williams was third build in the film. Mm -hmm. Vanessa Williams is an actress, model, uh, singer, I think as well. Do you remember who she was in this?
1: You mentioned earlier she sang? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that was really early in the film.
0: That was at the bar. That was at the bar. She was the big guy's girlfriend.
1: Right, I didn't
0: know that until I watched a review of this online because I wanted to know what the <laughs> consensus was online. And they and they point out like, oh, that's his girlfriend because she had her hair tied back when she was like picking up the big guy mm-hmm. and was like yelling at them. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was Vanessa Williams. I thought that was another lady. Uh, she's in this film and she's third build and she's a name. She's a face. She's a beautiful lady, and she's not in the movie. She's, like, there for, like, two scenes, to sing and then to say, I'm out of the movie now. Two scenes,
1: that's the motif of the episode. (laughs) Two scene
0: hits. And, like, I was waiting for her to find out that they got her boyfriend killed and for them to have some comeuppance or, like, feel something or have that scene of them getting guilted into, like, we were playing, like, this was like a game, but now lives have been, you know, just... I'm trying to write the script. (laughs) I'm trying to write the script. You mentioned that uh, the chick from Wayne's World was in this. Tia Carrere was her name or something? Yes, who's a great actress. She's been in a ton of stuff. Wayne's World is the obvious go-to for us. I also think of her from Lilo and Stitch. Uh, As well, she was the older sister.
1: It's been so long since I've seen
0: that. Yeah, well, she's one of the three main characters. Uh, She's the one that's not the little girl. No, I remember who she is. Um, But no, she's excellent. Um, You know, as always. But here, so I mean, you saw her name. You, I did too, and I saw it last week. I was waiting for her to show up. I was like, when's she showing up in this movie? She's, She's not. Yeah, she's not one that like.
1: I know the name off the top of my head. It's like, oh, yeah, Tia Career from Wayne's World. But, like, when I saw the name, it just triggered in my head, like, subconsciously, oh, that that's Cassandra from Wayne's World, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's being billed in the opening credits, so she's got to have some sort of role in this film. And if I'm not mistaken, she's not two scenes. She's has one
0: scene. No, no, she's in two, three scenes, because we meet her when we meet Tom Sizemore for the first time. So when they go to his building, they're stuck in this little room and they're looking at like uh, Tom Sizemore, the villain, and his secretary, her, are looking at them through a camera. Uh And Marlboro Man's underneath the camera and he points up at the camera being like, ah, see up there? And then they make the deal there to trade off the drugs for money. And then you see Tom Sizemore in the middle chunk of the movie when he's on the phone to the bad guys and she's the one who answers the phone and then we see her at the end with Tom Sizemore in the big final scene where he gets kicked out the window right, so she's there three times mm-hmm. and she's prominent in all three scenes because she, she's his needlessly sexy sluttily dressed Asian secretary lady and from what we learn in the final scene she's supposed to be Japanese um, which the actress is not um she's I, she's hawaiian and chinese so there you go
1: i am i am racist because i thought she was someone else in the film
0: <laughs> no no that
1: was her that was her okay that was her i thought she was the lady at the the like petrol station at the beginning
0: <laughs> no that is another famous actress kelly kelly who H U kelly, kelly who okay who's also somebody i was looking out for because i genuinely i saw her name on oh kelly who she's a great actress at the moment she's killing it on the Orville. Uh, she's a, an admiral in the Orville, and she's doing great. And I didn't realize that she was in the movie. Like, I watched it to the end, and I was like, who was she? And then I watched that review, and it showed her as Kelly Who. It was like, oh, she's in half the frame of the shot as, like, the lady at the petrol station that gets robbed at the beginning. Oh, I guess it was early in her career. That so, scene was
1: also really weird. I mean, that, <laughs>
0: that scene was, like... It's uh,
1: like because I thought I thought there was, like, a joke happening where, like, because it's the future, no one cares about like you
0: know, hold gun holders. No, holdouts. it's just he's he's apathetic because he's a bike. but.
1: Like she didn't seem to care either. Oh no! Like she, a gun she was, gun she, was aimed at her. And she was just like oh, uh, no, I mean, she didn't she, have like her hands up or anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. I felt she was more concerned than you're, than you're saying. But yeah, the 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 sexy Asian secretary is uh, uh, Tia Korea, So right, she, that yeah. was her. I knew it was her straight away because she's, like, a very tall, lean, kind of athletic-looking woman. And uh, I saw her here. I was like, there she is. And it's so bizarre how films work, isn't it? Mm. There's no thing in the text to say she's evil. There's no thing in the text to say she's bad. Mm. But because she's the secretary of the villain and she's got, like, a low-cut outfit and this extravagantly, like, what is in film language, sinister hairdo, and she's like a tendril of the Japan, evil Japanese business the guy works for, you just look at her and go, oh, she's evil too. Yet she does nothing in the movie! Mm. She does nothing in the film! Yet that's how the language of cinema works. Well, where you, you say, go, oh, she's evil too, well, and it's you, like, but well, nothing you say, happens!
1: You see, Ryan, at the very beginning of the film when we establish... Harley Davidson. He's with a woman who is mm-hmm. you know, naked, and we indicate that like, ah, oh, this is our hero. This is the type of woman that he gets with. Now, nudity in some cultures represents mm. innocence. Yeah, Tia Career never got nude she showed it she showed a
0: good amount of chest, though
1: no nah, but so. never never went fully nude you're still hiding i i things. I, I, I did
0: talk about when the film revealed that i guess she's supposed to be japanese because i thought about wayne's world immediately <laughs> i thought about wayne's world when they have that scene on the rooftop of the club is it where he start where they start speaking to each other and they have the subtitle gag and all of that that was like
1: in his apartment was I'm it in sure. his apartment it was indoors indoors yeah i always
0: confuse it from the second outdoors. film yeah, yeah. No, no, the first film. They have one where they talk to oh, each other. The first oh, film. That,
1: sorry, I was thinking of the fight scene with
0: her dad. No, no, no. That's when, in the when, film. when, when, I think it's when they're first kind of yeah, 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 meeting yeah, yeah. up, and she. It's when like, they're on the
1: roof at night. Yeah, thank, yeah. You, thank, yes. You, yes. thank you. Thank okay. you.
0: Thank you. I got it right. Yes. And this, sometimes it's, like, talking about, like, you know, her culture and her language and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about that immediately. And when this movie's done, tell me she's, like, this fucking Japanese secretary. I'm like, <laughs> she's not fucking Japanese.
1: Yeah, she spoke Cantonese in that film, I'm pretty sure. Right, because,
0: it. you know, the actress is Hawaiian, but she's also got Chinese, uh, you know, ancestry and heritage as well. And I'm just looking at this being like, well, you know if you're an actor of a certain skin colour, you're going to be lumped in as every mm. nationality. Even, like,
1: even if you're as Japanese as Barack, Barack Obama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Tom Sizemore, our boy from Heart and Souls, our favorite, one of our favourites from Heart and Souls. You didn't even recognise that was him. I didn't.
1: I think he was my favourite from that film. You remember
0: him from Twin Peaks? The Return, don't you? He was Dougie's co-worker that was trying to kill him.
1: Yeah, I was actually... For something, I was thinking about him very recently. I think maybe mm. I was mixing him up with um, the guy from Succeed at Business without really trying, who was the mm. boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Well, we had uh, from that Marilyn Monroe movie, the main oh, he actor was, yes. was the boss Sorry. in Twin Peaks to Return. My mistake. But Tom Sizemore, here, here's the fascinating thing. Tom Sizemore no, no, is known for playing kind of gruff, evil, hard-nosed, Characters, lots of soldiers.
1: Lots oh, that, of, that guy was from Mad Men. My mistake.
0: Yeah, the the, the succeed in business without trying. But yeah, Tom yeah. Sizemore. He's known for playing like you know bad guys or tough guys, soldiers. Uh you know, like really, really, really like that. And it's so funny that here he would be perfectly cast as this character if it was him fifteen years later. 10 years later in his career. Because he's so young and innocent and fresh and thin here that I didn't buy him! He's got, like, a, a younger voice where he's, like, a little bit more like, oh, gee! But, like, Twin Peaks The Return, which is, like, obviously decades later, you know, he's older, he's gruff, I could see him as this guy, and, like, in that, he's... he's kind of funny in Twin Peaks The Return, they kind of play around with Tom Sizemore because Tom Sizemore, like, does play, like, that kind of character, but in Twin Peaks The Return, they allow him to be silly...
1: Well, like, his his big scene is him like crying. Right? Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of
0: silly. It's yeah. kind of amusing how much he's crying and like he throws the cup of coffee in the urinal and the guy's like, "Yeah, that bad, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> right? right? And he's like, "Oh, I hope he can forgive me." <laughs> he's like, "You're laughing," but like. Yeah, yeah. Here, that's why I said in Heart and Souls, like, Tom Sizemore being, like, this lovable lad who's full of, like, oomph and Christmas, like, off the beaten path for him as an actor. Like, it's not like he doesn't do that, but he doesn't always do that. Here, this is a role that makes sense for him, but he's ten years too early. <laughs> Isn't that the strangest thing?
1: Mm. He's ten years too early for this. Maybe this was a big turning point in his life.
0: I do believe he was in Saving Private Ryan as well, uh, if you want to know, but he plays a lot of soldiers. Uh, I'm trying to think. Anyone else in this that turned up? There was just like, oh, Gus Fring. I mentioned obviously he's in this. Great to see John Carlo Esposito. He's always in. He's always been great. I yeah. mean, we loved him in Stardust. This was before Stardust. Yeah, yeah, and uh, before The Usual Suspects, he was in that as well. And
1: this was also before Monkey
0: Bone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way before yeah. Monkey Bone, where he played the devil, <laughs> 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 a version of Satan. It's our third time having him on. Third time. First time on... Hey,
1: every single time, different show. There was a... Unappreciated masterpieces, mystery box,
0: pictures, powwow. I found a funny actress in this. So there was a character of Honey. Do Mm -hmm. you remember her? She was a character at the diner that sat next to Harley Davidson, and she had a really low-cup top, and she was, like, basically asking him to fuck her. And she's like, Honey, uh... 100% 100% pure gold. That's what she said. It was something like that, yeah. I looked at that actress, because, like, why are they introducing this character so, like, forcefully? And then she never comes back, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked her up. She's got no real career. But one of the things that she did do, she did this, stopped her career, and then came back for Dude Where's My Car as, like, some <laughs> hot extra lady. Like, like... You know, bimbo number five type lady. Right. And I was like, what a weird little career this actress has had. Because that's, like, quite a... Well, like, so that's almost, like, ten years. So
1: we've done her whole career.
0: Almost. Almost. We'll get oh, to it. Oh, there's more. Okay. It, she had, like, eight things. Okay. But, like... So we're a quarter of the way. (laughs) Oh, very funny. There was an actress, the naked woman from the very beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. And the trivia really wanted to point out that this is her film debut. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So, oh, no, this is the lady. Sorry. Uh, The naked woman, uh, who's uh, Mitzi Martin, she started her career with this. And it was, like, big, like, in the trivia, it's like, this is where she debuted her film. I'm like, film debut. I'm like, awesome. Where did she go on to? Dude, where's my car? Almost ten years later. (laughs) Almost ten years later. (laughs) Like no joke. Harley Davidson, nineteen ninety one. Dude, where's my car? Two thousand. Joe Dirt, two thousand and one. Long Shot, two thousand and one. And then The Island, and then Stripped Down, and then she ended her career. She has a total of like eight roles in her entire career. Sounds like a lot of, and all of them are like. Number two, this lady, that the woman, and it's like, why is IMDb telling me this is her film debut? It doesn't matter. Maybe
1: she, maybe she was really memorable in one of those roles. I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I don't have else. I don't think I have anything else to say. This was just a snooze fest. It I'm was sorry, but it was.
1: It's really weird. I can't really, I can't really say that it was awful, but it was really nothing special to like the pinnacle degree. Uh, uh, uh,
0: again the person who recommends this has recommended movies that have very fascinating people who create them and not saying that none of these have been good movies. Obviously we had a, a, a there was a Satoshi Kon movie that we did that was recommended.
1: Uh, well, I don't think he recommended any of them. Oh
0: no, no, he's a big fan of that. No, but yeah, Michael he, was a recommendation yeah. and that film's interesting. It doesn't all work. But it's interesting, and it has lots of interesting angles to it. Of... I think we
1: liked it, even though it did have flaws. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but this is, like, it's boring as shit, but there's all these other elements to it that are interesting, but they're not worth watching the movie.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Like, the Austral- like the director's an Australian director who directed Free Willy the same year, mm, okay. and he directed the film Farlap about the horse, Farlap. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I've got for you. I do not recommend... This film.
1: Uh, I do not recommend this film. What? I can't believe I said it. I thought I was being really positive throughout the episode, but I actually actually don't. No? No. Don't
0: recommend it. Are you going to recommend a movie for the next episode?
1: I have no choice. I must.
0: I must. I must. I must. I must. I must. <clears throat> I must. I must. I must.
1: This is my non-Hollywood uh, time to pick.
0: Oh.
1: I'm going with one that's... Is actually pretty well known, but I have not seen. Okay. Um, It's starring a very, very, very famous person who only did six films.
0: (gasps) Oh. Mm. Yes. Go on. Yep.
1: I've seen half of his films, and I figured, you know, why not see the next one for the podcast? And Mm. we can finally maybe talk a little bit about him because he's a big pop culture figure. I believe from 1972 Mm -hmm. or 73, I think 72... I'm recommending Enter the Dragon.
0: Mm, everybody's favorite, Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. I
1: know it's very, very big in pop culture, but I've just never seen it. Really? I've seen the first three films. This was his fourth one, but apparently, like, last
0: finished. I mean, do you want to say it out loud? Oh, I haven't... It- <laughs> <laughs> you're just like we all know no joke no joke until you said his name i generally thought of a different actor but go on <laughs> sorry I,
1: I realized i didn't say it but then i forgot that i still
0: didn't say it it's bruce lee <laughs> <laughs> i genuinely thought you were going to talk about the actor from uh the godfather the john Cazale, who was in like five or six films and all of them are masterpieces the one who played fredo right in the godfather right. he was like in Four, like, five or six films, all of them are great. And so the joke with him is he never made a bad movie. His entire career, <laughs> because he made, like, he was in The Conversation, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon, and uh, Deer Hunter, all of which are, like, arguably some of the greatest films ever made. And okay, it's like, is, those are all the films he made. Okay, but is there,
1: is there an exploitation subgenre about this guy? No. No, so that's, that's no. the big difference. But we have Steve
0: Buscemi. <laughs> I guess yeah, he's yeah you know, he's the John Cazale of modern cinema, where he's like the kind of weird Weasley-looking guy that's kind of likable no matter no matter the role for some reason. We got mm. Steve Buscemi, or Buscemi or Buscemi. He pronounces it Buscemi, even though it's supposed, it's supposed to be Buscemi. I found that out recently, by the way. But uh, okay, you recommended a Bruce Lee movie, obviously mm-hmm. Dobbs.
1: Oh, I was thinking normal, but... No, no, no I, I'm joking. <laughs>
0: you, we always do subs. We always do subs. Well, I, I didn't
1: for A Story of Ricky, but...
0: No, no. That was part don't. of the reason why I picked that film. <laughs> but okay, so I uh, want to remind everybody while we're watching. So Bruce Lee's...
1: Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon from... Not John
0: Cazale's Enter the Dragon.
1: Not, not that one, no. <laughs> uh, from 1973, I think, or two.
0: Okay, so we'll be watching that, make sure. Is that the one with Chuck Norris?
1: No, that was Way of the Dragon, which I have seen. <laughs> that was the previous one. In which Rome. was the
0: one we watched at university?
1: Fists of Fury.
0: Fists of Fury. Yes, yes. I remember watching that in an auditorium of stupid people. I
1: I remember it was my birthday when we watched that. I turned 19.
0: Now I'm 29. 10 years. Why yeah. oh, I say an auditorium of stupid people, there was this moment in that movie where, like, the Guy ripped off his top or whatever, and he had like a girdle or something underneath. And it was like, it was like obviously it's a cultural and time period thing. And I just remember our auditorium being like uproarious laughter, and a bunch of people being like, oh, he's got a girdle on. Him. I'm like, oh, shut up, shut the fuck up, dumbasses. All right, that is it. Make sure to watch that in, in, in the interim of time. And while you're at it, you can follow us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter. We are posting on there. You can interact with us on there and recommend movies to us. We have a post on our Facebook page that is pinned where you can suggest a movie or you can just message us uh, through social medias or our email, which is
1: Spit and Polish Ed. At gmail.com.
0: All of this is in the description of the episode below, so it is there for your convenience, as well as mine. Mm, got a bit borat there. Was it? Your convenience! Okay. Bartek? He's in a Borat mood. He entered my house today oh, yeah, doing some Borat impressions. <laughs> I think he's got Borat in the blood. What's Bartek's uh, yeah, next foreign your- film <laughs> recommendation? <laughs> Unfortunately, that film's American. Are you sure? They,
1: they claim it's from Kazakhstan, but...
0: <laughs> it's made by an English guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's American, apparently. <laughs> <sighs> oh, wow. Well, I, I made sure to look it up just in case I ever recommend it. It has to be for a, an, an American episode. Well, well, I'll, I'll, Unless I'll, you do it.
0: I'll, I'll, or the listening people do I'll, it. I'll balance things out. I've got a confession to make. Well, not a confession. An apology to make. To kind of wrap things up. Last episode, we talked about Mad Max 2. The Road Warrior, that's correct. That was the last one. Yes,
1: not to be confused with Rogue Warrior, which has a nice rap in the credits.
0: I foolishly said that Bruce Spence was an Australian acting icon, which is true, but actually he's from New Zealand. And I'm so, so sorry to everybody who listened and took me as an authority figure on Bruce Spence. He's from New Zealand. He's worked most of his career in Australia and got most of his success here, but he's he's a New Zealander. I, that explains why he was in Lord of the Rings. I should have seen that coming. There was more New Zealanders and Australians in that movie, even though obviously it had David Wenham, who is Australian. I'm I'm sorry. I I let you down. I let Bartok down. I I let myself down. But most importantly, I let Bruce Spence down. You know, and if, I, that's the biggest. That's the biggest shame of it all. You know, if
1: we didn't take if we didn't take two weeks, you know, a week off, and this problem would have happened last week you know i could accept it a bit more it's like okay i've only had seven days to (laughs) register this in my head but 14 days to register this in my head and find out it's just another bloody russell crowe situation like yeah
0: another sam neill thing yeah there's so many of these new zealanders who trick us into being that they're australians it's just it's uh, look i'm sorry but i do think new zealand takes part in the blame here they're 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 just mischievous. That's all. I, that's all. That's all I've got for you. Mischievous New Zealanders. I mean, I, I played Umurangi
1: Generation in the two weeks since we were gone. I should have seen it coming.
0: I know. Some I know. Game,
1: New Zealand game. <sighs> Ryan, play us off.
0: Okay. I just played the New Zealand national anthem. <laughs> <laughs>